It is Locked on Jazz for the 26th of October. Will Hardy revealing little tiny tidbits of how he does things, what this team is, what makes it tick, and we'll hear from him coming up on the program. Plus, what's sustainable and what's not? That's the question I'm getting most often from everyone. We'll get you ready for the Rockets, and we'll look at some league trends in the opening mm, 1.8 games per team. Pretty early sample size, but we'll do it anyway. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free, available on all podcasting apps for you, and available on YouTube. Please give us a five-star review on the podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow on the podcast. And if you're on YouTube, the little bell lets you know we go live, which will help you after games with postcast when Ron Boone and I join in. All right. um, One little note here. What did I have for you? Oh, we're going to play some Will Hardy sound. I'm excited for that. Uh, One other note. I have the greatest shirt ever on today. There we go. The best shirt ever. Kind of found it somewhere along the way. Pretty excited. We actually had it all set up for my daughter, Vince Lagarza, and I had to show up for a golf round with Ron Boone, all wearing this shirt, and we didn't. And it actually never happened, which is kind of a bummer. So, a shout out to my guy. Hope you can make it out to the arena tonight. Tickets are available at utahjazz.com uh, as the Jazz play the Rockets. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so I think we're all trying to learn who Will Hardy is. I think we're all trying to learn what this Jazz team is. And um, Will Hardy's press conferences are um, concise and well thought out and interesting. And I want to share them with you um, when I can and when they're sound that I think is uh, helpful to you, as we say, making it better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. I think... Three sound bites from pregame before the Houston game were interesting. Um, and credit to Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle, who asked some of these questions and, and got maybe the most interesting answer, which is a comment about environment. And credit to Thurl Bailey um, as well, who asked the second question. I asked the first one, um, so we'll, we'll grab those three. And the first one's just about the veteran leadership he's getting from Conley and Clarkson, which I think is a huge part of the story so far this season. The second one... I think is a really big part of the story is about the confidence um, that he's trying to bring in calm. He's trying to bring into the team. And then the third one I thought was really interesting was his talk about the environment he's trying to create. So those are the three things we're hitting on with Hardy. Then I tried to look into us, like, are we doing anything totally crazy, unusual? We are doing a few things that are a little crazy, unusual. So we'll touch on that. And then I looked into the trends of the NBA and we're having a massive offensive explosion here in the opening like, each team's played 3.6 games at this point. Not 1.8, 3.6. The average, 3.6 games. Um, and it's the exact same amount of games everyone played at this point last year. So we can look at it. Okay. It's not great. It's 5% of the season, though. So it's actually beginning to be something of some value. 
um, to look into. I wonder where we could go to the Qualtrics website and put in 82 times 15 is the amount of t- games that are played in the NBA and then see how many games we need till we get to like a pretty good sample size. And I'll bet you it's not as many as we think. So let's start with Will Hardy. Here's the first one. I asked Will um, about uh, the um, plays by Clarkson and Conley late in the game that have been these kind of defining hustle plays and uh, and how much this is somewhat representative of the kind of leadership he's getting from them. Here's Here's what he had to say. Program in a variety of ways. I think sometimes we can strip some of that away and only focus on Jordan's scoring or only focus on Mike's pick-and-roll play. Um, but that's just not the case for those two guys. It's, it's big-time winning plays on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, I'd also add in with 39 seconds left, Jordan threw a pass that was heading for the scorer's table, and Lowry sprinted out of the corner and saved it. We're down three, and Jordan hits a big three, you know, to make it 110-110 in the fourth quarter. So... You know, our team is is trying to find any way to win these games, and I'm really happy for those guys that it wasn't just making shots, you know, for them that, that had them help us win games, you know, especially for Mike and Jordan. So, um, yeah, credit to those guys. That, so there's the first part from Will that I think is really interesting, which is, you know, just, hey, these guys. And I think that's, you know, I, I don't know if that was particularly – uh, groundbreaking from Will Hardy there. Uh, but I do think that that's a huge part of the story this season is that these guys are... Um, sorry for the funky headphones for those of you watching on YouTube trying to fiddle between the, the two um, things I need to listen and make sure you can hear it. Um, and I can hear it perfectly, so I'm hoping you can too. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if that was groundbreaking in any way, but I do think that it... I think it's an important story is that when Donovan and Rudy left and a leadership void actually was maybe the story of last season that we have had a leadership gap filled by Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson in a really fun way. Um, And Jordan is playing in a game game in a style we've never seen before showing his, his adaptability. Okay. The next one, this is great by big T. Um, he does such great work. He works so hard. It's such an honor to spend time with him because he's just the best person on the planet. Um, we went to dinner in Minnesota. I got to sit next to him. And he's just amazing. Some, you know, he's incredible interacting with fans, but just also just talking to him and listening to him. And he has no bitterness toward anything. He's not angry about anything. He's just a really good, happy person. My days are better every day I see Big T. It's so cool. Um, so Big T, and he also just and he and Ron just work so hard that um, he, Ron, and Holly, you know, Craig as well, work so hard um, that it just is inspiring to the rest of us. Um, the so Thurl was talking about in a game the other night. The kind of things were falling apart, and Will turned over and kind of looked at um, Thurl. They were on front row and smiled. And so Thurl asked him about it, and here's what he had to say: Help instill confidence in the players. Um, it is to bring a sense of calm when things are maybe going a little bit haywire. And I do remember that moment. I do remember looking at you, and I do remember smiling because it was 
just sort of fitting with our team, even though we're only three games in, that there we were going down, you know, the stretch of another really, really close game. Um, and our guys were so excited. I just come out of the timeout with them, and, you know, they're all saying in the huddle, Mike's saying in the huddle, like, this is fun. Let's go get it. Like, this is fun. And they, they recognized some of the pressure of those moments late game, but at the same time, they're really enjoying playing together. So, you know, whether it was symbolic of me settling in, I don't know. I think it was probably more symbolic of just kind of the attitude of our team in that moment. Another, that one, just great job by Thurl to get that soundbite. So insightful on so many levels, right? So the first one we got was just that Mike Conley sitting there in the huddle literally saying to these guys, like, this is fun. Let's go get this. And that these guys are having that. That Will Hardy's talking about them playing together and, and their enjoyment of going through this. Uh, I think Mike Conley, who is the most professional, nicest guy on the planet, has subtly said it's nice to be back in charge. Like he is subtle, and, and that makes sense. I mean, that goes back to a little bit of what I shared with you about Kelly Olynyk yesterday, where Kelly Olynyk made the comment um, that you know, hey, yeah, sure, you'd think that when he went to Houston and they didn't win any games, that it was a bummer. But it wasn't at all. It was the exact opposite. It was the fact that he actually got the ball in his hands. He got to make plays, and how great that was. And I think there's something um, going on there with the likes of um, both Jordan Clarkson and though I can't imagine Jordan Clarkson thinking he needed a bigger role than he had last year, right? It sure seemed like he had a pretty big role. Um, but I think Mike does, right? Mike's got the ball in his hands again and he's back in charge and he's not sitting off the ball while Donovan's going to work. And I'm not saying one's right or wrong. I'm just saying like for, if you're Mike, that this is great. Like, Oh, I get to lead a young team and do this. And he seems really, really engaged and, you know, the kind of the two things we just heard there, we talked about a hustle play by Mike Conley. We talked about a play by Mike Conley going and, you know, in, in the huddle saying, hey, this is fun. That's leading. Like, that's leadership. And and we're also learning from that quote about the, the calmness that Will Hardy's trying to, to bring across. So the next one is the one I thought was most interesting, which is about um, the environment that he's trying to build. Jonathan Fagan, Houston Chronicle, that, and I'll share, we'll share that um, in just a second. Then we'll look at those items of the jazz that... You know, they're 3-1. and one. They've beat three playoff teams already. Uh, their win over New Orleans looks even better after New Orleans goes and wins without Brandon Ingram and without Zion Williamson last night against Dallas. Um, their win against Denver looks really good because Denver's really good, and their win against Minnesota. Minnesota looks a little discombobulated, but, um, you know, they're, they're great wins. So three, you know, what what are we seeing, you know, 5% into the season that we can look at and say, okay, that can continue, and what are we looking at and say, ooh, that's going to be hard to continue. So I'll try to get on those things. Um, as well. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. That's Steve Carter. That's our own personal loan officer, Steve Carter, over at Intercap Lending. He's just he's just one of the great people I've ever met. And as I've said numerous times on the show, there's very few things that bring me as much pleasure as being able to tell you to go, tr- to go use him because I know the experience you're going to get. If you're looking for a loan right now in this marketplace, then I strongly suggest calling Steve Carter over at Intercap Lending. The reviews we've gotten, whether it's from my COO, Carl Weinstein, or whether it's from people I know, um, amazing. Katie Christensen says, Steve was very personable, helpful. He always responded quickly to our questions. and was great keeping us updated on our status loan. We highly recommend him. Mark Robbins, Robison says, Steve did a fantastic job in this crazy market. He was easy to work with and delivered as expected. Steve also finds solutions to make things work out in our favor. Steve is great to work with. Steve will make it happen. I would, would recommend Steve to anyone, as would I. So I will do that right now. So you can reach Steve at 385-800-8528, or you can call, email me, at dlock09 at gmail.com. Um, and I will make sure that you get hooked up with Steve. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Visit intercaplending.com. 
Intercap Lending. It's they're hyper flexible. They're there for you. Steve Carter's amazing, and they're your own personal loan officer. If you don't go through me, that's fine. But just make sure you mention Locked On so that you get your Intercap Lending Locked On Jazz uh, discount. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online bringing you all the odds, info, all the rest you need uh, to get the latest on what's going on in the sports world, the latest uh, game odds, in-game uh, wagering, all the rest taking place over at betonline.net. So go jump aboard and see what you can find there. Tonight, the or Thursday night football this week, Ravens are a one-and-a-half point favorite over the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um I think the Broncos are favored over the Jaguars for NFL teams that are struggling. We're, Jazz are a seven-point favorite tonight over the Houston Rockets. That is as big a favorite as been. Minnesota is a nine-point favorite against San Antonio. Um, see how they bounce back from that. Cleveland's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over Orlando. Have you watched Ben Carey yet in uh, Orlando? He is outstanding. Big nights of games. Denver is a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Lakers. Russell Westbrook is on the injured list as a hamstring being questionable. We'll see whether or not he plays and what impact that has on the Lakers. That's all brought to you by our friends over at betonline.net. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We greatly appreciate it. Make your second listen of the day, Locked On Sports Today, your 22-minute sports show giving you all the updates it's the npr up first of sports it's the espn.com front page it's the sports page of podcasting it is a quick review of all things going on in sports that you want to know before you go to the water cooler because you either have a wife kids dog cat job entertainment recreation something going on there's no way to keep up with everything going on in sports so we do it for you in 22 minutes on Locked On Sports Today. Also available on YouTube at Locked On Sports Today. Subscribe there. All right, here's the quote that I thought was most inter- interesting from Will Hardy pregame the other night um, about the environment. Jonathan Fagan asked a really nice question, um, and here is uh, what Will had to say. This is sort of what I want to impart. Yeah, absolutely. Trust is hard to gain, and in order to build trust, you have to build sort of that first foundation of the relationship and I think as a coach and our coaching staff in general we've really focused on the environment every day we've used that word a lot how do we set up the right environment for our team and for our staff every day to go to work and to try to all get on the same page I think we recognized early on that this is a whole new thing it's a new staff it's a new team um and so we, we've really just focused on day one on, on how do we set up the right environment um, so that we can help foster some of that trust. Is some of that just your facial expression? Or I'll choose this word instead of that word and just to get them to have the mindset that you want? Yeah, I think it all, it all adds up in the end. Um, I wish I could say that I was in tune enough to be always thinking about my facial expression. Um, I'm not sure that I have that one nailed. You could ask my wife about that. Um, But when I speak to the team, um, definitely always trying to think about what is the message um, and not only what you say but how you say it. I think that's such an important piece of communication, um, how things are said. So it's something that our staff, we talk about all the time. Um, in terms of how we approach our team every day because we are still in a growth phase as a team. So 
this is the environment comment he made the other day. And and I thought it was I thought it was really interesting on a lot of levels. So first is the most common thing we're hearing about Will Hardy right now is how smart he is. It's a and I said this yesterday on the show. Like it's a weird comment. Like, hey, he went to Williams, which is the number one liberal arts college in the country. Like he clearly was an academically smart kid. So now what is being smart? Like everyone, you know, popped the other night, like said this, like, oh, he's whip it smart or something like that. Like, you know, that, that's kind of the first comment that everyone makes about him. What does that mean? Well, I think this is an example of that. I think that's the first, like one of the, there, there've been a bunch of little subtle ones. Like I, I think I shared, at least I did on TV last night. I'm sure I've shared with you about this comment he made about how he, he was worried about the fact that camp was going to be nasty competitiveness because there was so much open playing time that the guys wouldn't bond. They'd just actually kind of try to eat their own to be able to, you know, get playing time. And that he really went into camp aware of that. Like, I, that to me was, like, oh, you're, you're a first-year head coach. Um, I'm trying not to reference the age every single time we talk about him being a first-year head coach because I, I think it's actually irrelevant. Um, so let's just go with you're a first-year head coach and – you're thinking about that instead of thinking about like whether your plan is right, whether you're that, that's, that's insightful to me. Okay. This was as well. So environment, like he's wor- he's thinking about the environment they work in. Now, what does that mean? I think it actually means everything from whether or not I'm going to guess how players are seated. I'm going to guess it has to do with how they serve their food. I'm going to guess it has to do with whether there's music playing at certain times or not. Like, I think it's every little piece of the environment that these guys are around every single day. I think it's whether or not he's a yeller and a screamer or whether he's a talker or when he chooses his spots. Um, and I, so I think those are really interesting kind of insights. We'll try to find out learn more um, from, from who Will Hardy is and what he's doing as a head coach. That's, the first thing. And I do think this then also lays to the smarts, right? That there's a deeper level to what he's doing. He's thought about this. He's everything's happening for a reason. There's a plan to this. I mean, it's probably a little bit like parenting, right? That you're not you're trying to figure out what environment your kids are in all the time and wanting to make sure it's a pleasant, good environment that your kids are in all of the time. Um so I think that that's um I think that these are um th- those are the signs. And then you know, trust is hard to gain. Like he's just got an awareness that it's going to, that he's in the process of doing this. So I I thought those were really interesting. I hope you enjoy it when we do that. I'd love any feedback. Um, You know, I think we have this wonderful access um, to these players and these coaches and I find them fascinating. And so when I get a chance to talk to Kelly Olenek in the locker room, like I did two days ago, I'll try to share those conversations with you. And when Will Hardy holds a press conference and you know, those, those, those pregame press conferences don't often make, you don't get to see them a lot. And I actually think they're far more interesting than the postgame press conferences. So I'll try to, I'll share those with you as well. So we're three and one. Um, we currently have the 12th ranked offense and the 14th ranked defense in the NBA. You know, we played two overtime games or a bounce or two away from probably being, you know, two and two or a schedule away from being four and up. Um, I, I really am about to go do research on how every NBA team does on their first back-to-back. Uh, pretty curious to watch that. Um, our schedule is, I, I've not experienced this one. There's two stretches of our season this year that I, I don't recall. One is we just have a murderously long road trip. We're gone from March 1st to March 14th. I, I, that's like longer than I recall. Um, I'm sure I've done it. I think we had a seven-gamer a few years ago. This one's a six-gamer. 
probably better just to get out and go. So that, you know, I'm not sure how tiring per se that'll be. This little stretch right here is a little wacky. Um, this home for one, gone for three, home for one, gone for one, home for one. So we play our first uh, seven games in non-consecutive cities until we play Memphis back-to-back. And then we go back out on the road for three. We actually play in consecutive cities, but the Lakers and Clippers back-to-back. Come back for another game. Um, we have So we have a back-to-back, two back-to-backs covered with three games in the meeting. So we're playing a stretch here of like seven games in... Um, one, two, seven games in 11 nights. It's, it's just kind of, so, and then we go back on another road trip. Like it's, so the schedule is going to get us a few times. So that's the first one of like, when you ask whether it's sustainable or not, that I think, I just think the energy is going to, that they've been playing with, which has been totally awesome is, is really hard to maintain. And now maybe Will's going to find a way to get the depth and use Nikhil Alexander Walker and use Abaji and use Foncecchio to be able to sneak through these things. Because I do think that that's, Possibly what you, what they're going to have to do. The second one I do think we're going to see a little bit is that guys are being asked a lot right now in roles. So Lowry Markkinen is really being asked to be the go-to guy for the very first time in his career. And Jordan Clarkson's being asked to be the number two option and probably the number one person on the scouting report. There's a little difference between those two things. I think Jordan is the first person on the scouting report. Mike might be. Mike, Mike had Jaden McDaniels guarding him the other night, and then he had Herb Jones guarding him the other night, and, and then Kevin Porter Jr. is 6'6". I don't think he's had a player smaller than 6'6 guarding him for a little. Those things are going to wear our guys down. Um, and the burden of that is real. We saw it with Lowry the other night. I mean, he's been amazing. 22 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists a game. He's amazing. And he's learning what the burden of being a number one option is at all times is. And I think, you know, Mike's back to being a primary guy. And he's not shooting it great right now. He's at 32% from the field and 27% from three. And he's playing terrifically, so I'm not too worried about it. Jordan's been great. Jordan's, Jordan seems unfazed because he's Jordan. Um, five assists a game. So I think that's the second one um, that could happen. The Jazz are the number one offensive rebounding team in the league right now. Um <clears throat> here's always how I look at whether something's sustainable or not. So we'll talk about trends in a minute. And the league average on offensive rebounds is 28% right now, which is um, noteworthy. And, and we'll hit on that here in a minute. Uh, we're at 36%. Okay. So we're eight percentage points higher than the number one team in the league, right? Or the average in the league. Last year, the number one team in the league was 32 to 26. So it was six points above the league average. That was Memphis. There were only two teams in the NBA last year that were three, the deviation was three percentage points above league average. That was Toronto at 31.1 and Memphis at 32.7 and the league average was 26 last year. Um, That's how I always look at like whether something's sustainable. There is kind of a level over a course of a season how much of an outlier you can really be. And so, for example, the year prior, 4.5 was the most. And there were, again, there were only two teams that were outside of about 2.3 percentage points above league average. So two, only two teams above 2.3 above league average with a high of four. And then last year when offensive rebounding kind of has continued to rise every year, it was 25, then 26. It's back up now, as I said, to 28, which is a stunningly high number. There's only th- two teams above three um, 
last year and there was no teams above six. So we're just a little too far above the norm at this point at eight percentages points off our offensive rebound off league average offensive rebounding at 36. So that probably, you know, will come, we'll probably come back to about 32, 33 if we're going to be one of the leaders in the league. Now, there are nine teams in the NBA right now that are over 31, 30% or basically at 31% offensive rebounding rate, which is a radical change to how the game is being played. That's an early trend of the season. So I would keep an eye on that. The other one that's taking place that's just brilliant and might just be great coaching, but again, is so far off the norm, I think it's probably unlikely, is we're not allowing any threes. Um. So if you look right now, we're the number one team in the league, only allowing 28.1% of all of our opponent's shots as threes. The league at shooting, is shooting fewer threes than they did a year ago. We're at about 34.7%. So again, playing the same game, we're at about 6.5 points off league average in allowing teams to shoot threes. And we're defending in a pretty, you know, that's pretty impressive, 6.5. Um, last year the number one team in the league was four percentage points off, okay? So that seems, you know, again, that seems a little high. Not crazy, but just a little. The other one that's worth noting here on us this year is we're denying all these threes, but we are getting pummeled at the rim. Some of this is defensive rebounding. Um, Some of this is we're allowing 42.5% of shots at the rim. That's about eight percentage points above the league average um, and is a crazy high number. Uh, last year, the team in the NBA that allowed the fewest, excuse me, allowed the most shots at the rim, I think was either, was kind of a team playing a similar style in Toronto or Chicago. It was Chicago, at, but they were only four percentage points. Um, so that should come down. That should that should work to our benefit. Um, it's interesting, by the way, you either have to make a choice right now in the NBA to me that you're going to deny the rim or you're going to deny the threes. You're either doing one or the other. Right now, it looks as though the Jazz have decided they're going to deny the threes. But last year, if you look at the the worst rim defensive teams in the NBA, you look at the kind of six or seven worst rim defensive teams in the league, they were five of the top nine teams at denying threes. And if you look at the top teams that were denying threes, uh, or the, the, the top teams in the league that allowed threes, they were... Three of the top four were top eight in rim defense. So Miami, Milwaukee, New York, Oklahoma City, all very good at denying the rim, but they allowed a buttload of threes. So it's kind of an either-or choice um, there. So those are the four areas where I feel like for us, those are the choices um, where it's going to be, you know, those are the things that could change a little bit uh, trend-wise on us. Our show, uh, we'll look at league-wide trends here in a second and get ready for Houston uh, as well. Today's show uh, is... Brought to you in part by our friends over at LinkedIn. The job market is not an easy one for people right now. And so LinkedIn is here to help you with that, uh, helping you get better people for your jobs. You can post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. And this is the first part of the process is you get your job out there. The second part is LinkedIn helps you get through the app multitude of resumes you're getting with their various simple tools. Screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who to interview and who to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find qualified candidates who you want to talk to faster 
Post for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That faster is so important right now. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available and you want to make sure you can get it done. So hire the right people for your team faster and for free. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. Please check out Locked On Sports today. I'm excited for it. I want to know what you think. Jazz Rockets tonight. To that three-rim conversation, let's keep an eye on this tonight. They spread us out. They played Jabari Smith at the center. They may have really discovered something, and then they just drove us. They didn't run much of anything. They got early drag screens early, um, and then they just drove us the whole time. And we're going to have to figure out a way to take away that space on the floor defensively tonight and not let Jalen Green and Kevin Porter just drive and overpower guys. But J- but Kevin Porter is 6'6", and Mike Conley's guarding at 6'1", and Jalen Green is the fastest player in the league probably uh, right now, or John Morant. John Morant's in town Saturday. Tickets are available. Must-see TV. Uh, so just come on into the arena and come see Memphis. Um, all right, quick trends. This is kind of crazy. Offense at this point last season was a 107.4. And is now up to a 112.4. Now remember, last year we were dealing with that whole thing where they were doing the kind of the rule change and movement and guys were getting hammered and the offense was down. Um, so it might not be that big a trend, but it is really unusual to see offense up five points per 100 possessions this in a similar time frame. I mean, we could be, could be, the, the caveat is what I just told you. That last year at this time, they were doing the rule change stuff. We could be on the verge of the largest offensive explosion in the history of the NBA from one season to the next. That's what, the, that's what those numbers would be. Um, why? So, effective field goal percentage is up one percentage point from 52 to 53. Teams are turning it over one possession, basically one possession less a game. Offensive rebounding is skyrocketing. From 24.7% of all misses being offensive rebounded to 28%. Teams are crashing, which means on the other end, teams are running probably. Um, but that there's no correlation. Here's what's interesting. This is why I think that maybe it's it's not the greatest offensive explosion of all time, but it's no free throw rate is way, 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 way up. And this is last year. Remember, they were not calling these guys were getting bumped and in, in getting in the lane and they were trying and, and, getting murdered and uh, Mike Con- and I remember talking to Mike Conley about it and, and the free throw rate was, they were trying to speed up the game and so they weren't calling the free throws because free throws are boring, but the offense plum- plummeted to 107.4. So that's, we'll see. I don't, I'm guessing that last year's offense went on a trajectory back up to get to 112.4 by the end of the season and this one's not going to go on as high a trajectory. Um, but there is a huge free throw rate going on. Teams are making threes at a percentage point better from 35 to 36. Teams are taking way fewer threes. Now, this might be the rule change that last year when they put the, that rule in and you could suddenly you're driving, getting bumped and you weren't getting calls. The unintended consequence was that everybody started shooting more threes. But threes have gone down from 37.3% of all shots taken to 34.7. So that's eye-opening. There are two percentage points more shots at the rim. So you're basically, if you take 100 shots a game, which is not what you take, you take about 80, but just go with it. Two and a half shots a night are moving from the three-point range. Two of them are going as threes, and one of them is going as a mid-range shot. 
in regards to piece of play, it actually seems almost the exact same, except for one possession a night has moved from half court to transition. That's it. One possession. Now, that's significant. That's 0.6 points um, or 0.7 points a night. So that would increase the scoring average. But it's nothing crazy. So those are the trends of the early going here of the season is the offense is exploding, but largely due to the free throw rate, which is largely due to last year's rule changes that were taking place um, at the time. And the three-point rate is down, which I think is related but it's worth keeping an eye on. So we'll keep these trends. We'll always look at trends. Maybe every Wednesday we'll do trends. I got to figure out what our, we always have little fun things we look at, right? Like who's hot, who's not, things like that. Friday, obviously, is points gained. Um, we'll do that. We'll do our first points gained on Friday. Woohoo! Oh, only David's that excited for that. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great day. Enjoy yourself. Appreciate you tuning in. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go listen to Locked On Sports today. Next.